Vincent the dude. Hey, happy Friday from Freight Alley, everybody. There's a new MJ in town, my friend. Ooh, what was that? I don't know. Felt like interrupting. New MJ in town, uh, uh, my friend. And his last name is now Devonshire. Did you oh, yeah? catch the backyard brawl last night, bro? I did. I'm not one of these uh, one of these fools around here wasting their time watching Tennessee dominate their game. No, I was I was all in on the backyard <laughs> brawl. It was, like everything was right with the world last night. You know, beautiful football was back. It was an amazing crowd. The atmosphere was incredible. It was like 50-50 West Virginia, 50-50 Pitt. Uh, yeah. By the third quarter, I was asleep on the couch. Woke up at two saw the highlights and it like it's back to normal it, it, it's total awesome. old guy mode yeah awesome. you yeah, had guys that were third generation playing in that game last night man and then a red shirt junior yeah picks it up. Well, we don't get any time for your uh your banter right now we right. have a big I'm, show today we got hylion ceo thomas helion we've they're going to talk about their 3d printed mixed fuel generator we got the brutal truth about what it means to be an amazon seller with one of our favorites mm. via hearts molson heart mm-hmm. some of those brain flakes mm-hmm. and stuffed animals we got core trust in the house Made the big trick down over here. The first guest is going to talk about democratizing diagnostics a little bit in the battle they may have gotten with the big green tractor brand. Let's tip the bin and we'll get to our first guest. Did right. you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics is one of the fastest growing freight forwarders out there? They grew by 400% over the past five years, earning a spot on Crane Chicago Business Fast 50 list. How do they do it? By earning their customers' trust with cost-effective customer uh, customized global supply chain solutions these first ones of the month are always rough. Find yeah. out how your business can benefit when you visit. <laughs> Tell them, dude. AITWorldwide.com. All right. Well, I see some of our guests <laughs> rushing in here. Let's take a look at this video. Here they come. Stand there, Chris. Scott, stand there, Ryan. Yeah, the money's on Thomas. Oh, oh, there. Oh, no. <laughs> Who won that? I think that was, I think Thomas that was Healy. that one, I think. I made Tyler, where were you in that race? Uh, your ostrich jockeying leaves much to be desired. You know, I'm, I'm losing already, but I, I am winning because I see my diesel laptop truck there on the desk. So I appreciate that, guys. We appreciate, like, as I told you when you sent it, we put it on our Hall of Fame here at Freightways, but I had to break it back out because I knew you'd be on the show. For those not familiar, this is Tyler Robertson. He's the CEO over at Diesel Laptops. And by the way, congratulations. I heard you and the team are on pace to crush a very lofty goal that you set for them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was seven years ago in my garage, no employees. Now we got over 220 and we're, you know, we'll be bumping up on 70, 75 million in revenue this year and we, we bootstrapped it. So it's, it's just like awesome. a you know, unbelievable story we've got going on. So we're just going to keep, keep the pedal to the floor, so to speak. How are you fitting all those people in your garage? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm on building number six now, right? So oh, got, I, got you, I got you. I got you. COVID helps. We got to send a bunch of people home. They'd be great there. <laughs> Well, we got a spy photo from this event you're at. I think it was a loser leaves town match between Tyler and someone at John Deere. Is that is that the case? Is that what we're looking at here? <laughs> you know, that would have been a great meme, right? I should have done that. I had a couple of good photos there. But yeah, we hired a new employee and he goes like, yeah, I do amateur wrestling. I'm like, well, I'm coming to check that out. I heard Gunnar talking about it. I've heard Matt Leffler talking about it. I'm like, I, I got to go check out this amateur wrestling stuff. I got kids. They love it. Uh, we've done the belts and stuff here too, so yeah, we're uh, we actually just bought tickets for all the employees for the one coming up in September. Well, you know, when, awesome. when the topic of right to repair comes up, that the two names that probably come to most people's mind commonly are Apple and 
John yeah. Deere. And if you talk to farmers, you'll especially yeah. hear an earful of it. Now, your company, what you do is you sort of democratize diagnostics. You give you empower people to, to fix their own vehicles. Now, this runs a, a little afoul of some of these companies and these OEMs that don't like that. Tell us a little bit about some of these uh, hurdles you've come up against. Yeah. So let's just, let's just talk. John Deere is a lightning rod. There is no doubt. And I, I think people don't probably know why, because they're not alone in how they think. But what really started with them was in 2015, John Deere filed paperwork with the U.S. Copyright Office, which basically said, and it did say, farmers, you do not own your equipment. You have the license to use the equipment. And the argument they made was like, if we give you the uh, that license, you guys can do all kinds of crazy stuff. And they made crazy arguments like, oh, you guys could hack our infotainment system and radio and you can start pirating music. And it was just like these outrageous claims that really thrust John Deere into the spotlight. And John Deere has been sued a bunch of times. There's over 12 court cases going on right now against them. Uh, there is no right to repair for heavy duty trucks, commercial trucks or off highway. And it, it's it's ugly out there, and people are looking for solutions. We've seen it all over. You recently saw it, the war in Ukraine. People are using farm tractors to tow tanks, and they're using bootleg software and other alternatives to try to keep their equipment going. So it's a big thing that actually impacts people more than just the bottom line of John Deere. And it's an important issue for anyone that owns anything electric at all. Yeah, so Tyler, does this expand past, like you said, they're not alone in what they're doing. So it's like uh, Kubota and some of the other major tractor manufacturers, et cetera. Are they, they in the same boat or we just don't hear about it or what? Yeah, you just don't hear about it. So automotive, there's right to repair laws that passed in Massachusetts back in 2014-ish, 2015-ish. And all the automotive manufacturers just agreed not in a law, but agreed to apply that to all 50 states, which is great. So what's happened here recently is that those original laws were based off physical diagnostic ports and pulling data off. And as we know, the world's changed a lot. Now we have wireless and 5G and all these mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So what started to happen is auto manufacturers started to say, well, this doesn't apply to us anymore. We don't have to give you data. And again, Massachusetts stepped in and said, no, 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 we're going to go fix this. And furthermore, we're going to fix it so that commercial truck applies to these things as well. And then, you know, law and chaos ensued and voters ensued. But in early 2021, Massachusetts did pass that with over 75% of the vote to say, yep, HD and automotive, you guys should get access to all these things. Off-highway still not involved in that, but they're getting, they're getting sued left and right by a lot of different people and a lot of different groups under a lot of different reasons. Um, and there's actually court cases pending right now and judges' rulings waiting. So there's actually a, uh, supposedly a big thing happening here, hopefully in September. It seems like it would be kind of by, I mean, aside from lobbies, right? It would be kind of bipartisan. You would think you'd find voters on both sides who would want a right to repair as the people in Massachusetts yeah. saw. But is this more, more of a partisan I issue? Are people divided on this one? So not even like Nebraska, big farming community, right? Obviously, they got senators and whatnot. It was talked about a lot. It was supposed to come up to vote. It didn't happen before they closed session for the year. So it just didn't happen. But you got to remember, it, it's not just John. I mean, John Deere's definitely the lightning rod here. But and it does impact them because if customers have a choice where to do their diagnostics or buy their parts or do their own repairs, it definitely takes money out of their pocket. They have shareholders to appease. They want to make revenue, all these things. So yeah, there's a lot of lobbying. There's, I mean, this is a thing where there's like millions of dollars being thrown on both sides of the fence here. And frankly, when you're up against the world's largest manufacturer of agriculture, 
well, the world's largest manufacturer of phones. Those guys, I won't say it's an endless pit of money they have, but it's a lot of money, a lot of lobbyists, and it's a battle they've been fighting for a long time, and they're going to continue to fight. Wow. It, would, it would seem to me, Tyler, that you could monetize, uh, if you were John Deere, monetize uh, allowing people to do that in, in, in some particular way. But my, my, my question here is, it, you're not allowed to do it, but uh, what happens to you if you do, right? So people are suing John Deere. What are they doing on the opposite end to stop people from doing this? Or people like you who are Yeah, people like you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the irony here is I'm for right to repair, yet, yet this actually makes my company a lot of money. <laughs> so because what we have, and we do through legal reverse engineering, I know reverse engineering has a negative connotation sometimes, but there is a legality to it and a legal way to do it. What we do and other companies do in the aftermarket is we make our own software do the same things that John Deere software does. And John Deere doesn't like that one bit, that there's other competing products. And a lot of manufacturers don't like that at all. So yes, we get letters, we get accused of things, so do other tool manufacturers and sellers. But it's really about preserving a market choice. Nobody wants to be beholden to have to go to one place to get something fixed. And that's what this is about. And what all the OEMs and these people are trying to argue is, if we let you guys have this, our intellectual property is not safe. Uh, bad things can happen to you. I mean, the, the commercials they ran against the Massachusetts laws were just egregious. It was literally like stalkers in uh, shopping centers or parking garages that are about to attack somebody or a burglar breaking into your house. And they were saying, if you give access to right to repair, these bad things could happen to you. And it's just totally not true. Everyone wants to do it in a safe way, in a secure way to protect intellectual property, but give people a choice. And there are tools. So I can tell people today that work on uh, commercial truck, off-highway, automotive, marine, we sell diagnostic tools that will do what the dealer's tools can do. It's just not a thing people know about a lot in the heavy-duty and in the uh, off-highway space. Everyone knows an automotive. You can go buy a code reader at Walmart or Amazon and yeah. tools to do things. Those things do exist now for commercial trucks and John Deere and Komatsu and Caterpillar and all these guys. And it's just about getting the word out there to help people. Tyler, keep fighting the good fight. People who want to work with diesel laptops, they want to do their own diagnostics. Where do we send them to? Yeah, diesellaptops.com. And I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. Just look up Tyler Robertson on there. We're telling the story all the time. Thanks for having hey, me on, guys. Right on. We appreciate a little cowbell for you and the team. Always great to hear that you guys are doing good things. We always celebrate your success, Tyler. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Anyways, awesome. meanwhile... Well, these guys here. This was also over at uh, USA Truck. Is that us in Virginia? Oh, <laughs> down. <laughs> looks bad, right? Yeah, it doesn't looks look bad. At all. It went to the hospital, but he's okay. Is he? He's okay. Right. okay. Let's talk to our next gentleman. They are in studio. Let's see if they've ever uh, been in a golf cart like that. It's Dave Pollard. He's assistant VP and Courtney Davis, director over at Core Trust. You look great, gentlemen. Thanks for coming Thank down here to Freight Alley. Thank you for inviting us. Yes. Yep, great yeah. to be here. So both you gentlemen went through the same same training I did. The mistake there was you got to ride it down, right? If you're going to turn over or drive a forklift off a dock, you stay on it. You don't jump, right? Right. Sure. Absolutely. Well, you gotta ride it to the bitter ride end. Ride it down. You got to ride it down. Do not jump. Hey, gentlemen, where do you where are you joining us from today? Uh, where did you travel over here from? Nashville. Nashville. Came down, came down uh, yesterday. Uh, yesterday. Had a nice dinner last night. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. If you've worked in logistics enough, you're going to cross paths with people who've, who've walked those same footsteps as you. And yeah. you guys share backgrounds with, with Michael Vincent yeah. here and myself, yeah. my FedEx Trade Network's background, right. his roadway background. Both I of know. you were brats from those institutions. So I'm excited to hear it. But you're with Core Trust now. For those that aren't familiar, what's Core Trust do? 
Or trust, is it? A group purchasing organization, or GPO. We are owned by HCA. We were started about 16 years ago when they discovered that they really needed to have a GPO that would offer services to the commercial industry, industries. And so they well, built uh, Core Trust. Today we have about 2,500 members. We offer 35 plus different categories of savings opportunities for the Core Trust members. And we lead the uh, logistics piece where we offer LTL in North America, full truckload and managed transportation with our partner Geodis in North America, as well as in what I call global distribution, which is really freight forwarding, ocean and air freight, helping members move product from one part of the world to another. Michael awesome Vincent, stuff. it sounds like with all that experience, they probably picked up a few tips, a few strategies, maybe, maybe a one. few hidden gems along yeah. the way. Sydney, you wouldn't happen to, Courtney, I'm sorry, Courtney, you wouldn't happen to know any, Sydney's, uh, Sydney's in the morning here on Freightways Now. Uh, what am I doing? Courtney, you wouldn't happen to know any hidden gems, would you? Oh, absolutely, I would. So I won't take the time to unearth the last dumpster five or 24 months in supply chain that we all live through. But in that and in consulting our members, uh, we have to come up with solutions to help streamline the process. You know, supply chain is like that ugly cousin that just hit the lottery. It's been around all the time, it's been helpful, uh, been a good member of the, the, of the family and will do anything in the world for you, but uh, didn't really come to the forefront of the organizations until up until a couple of years ago. So what we do is we put together programs to help uh, our members come up with savings. And, you know, of course, it's, it's very natural to gravitate toward the dollar value discount, and you cannot discount your way into savings. It has to be a process, a program. So what we're finding is, and what, how we're consulting our members, is helping them come up with ways to not only identify these hidden gems, things that are, are part of the program that help optimize costs, but help them to quantify and to present them to the CEO and the board of directors so that they can effectively demonstrate these savings. Excellent stuff. So Dave, you know, I would imagine that just about everybody out there searching for a couple of gems and two of those gems that I can think of that they'd be looking for specifically would be transit times and information on their shipments. Where is my stuff? Where is my inventory in this? You guys got any gems that cover that type of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, historically, everybody tries to save money by negotiating better rates, negotiating better rates. But there comes a point in time where you really just can't squeeze any more blood out of that turnip. There's no additional savings to be had through reducing price because the carriers can't reduce it. So there are simple things that companies can do to directly affect their bottom line. And we like to use the return on assets formula to help quantify that. So ROA is revenue minus expenses over current and fixed assets. And if you can improve your transit time and provide visibility to a customer, it really affects three of those four areas. The first thing is by reducing the transit time, improving the transit time, you're gonna have a leg up on your competition. If you can get your product there one or two days faster than the competition, well, people are gonna start ordering more from you. They're, you're gonna have repeat buyers and that's gonna directly affect and increase your revenue. Similarly, by increasing the transit time, or reducing, rather, the transit time, you can get your product there faster. And when a company owns the product all the way up until the time it's delivered, it, reducing that transit time directly reduces your 
inventory carrying costs. So that's a current asset reduction. By providing the visibility, now all of a sudden, customers can go on and they can track their packages on their own. They don't have to call customer service for the Wismo calls, where is my order calls. So now your customer service, you don't need as many people. You can reduce your staff, you can reduce the number of customer service people that you have, therefore lowering your labor expenses. So just this one thing of improving your transit time and providing the visibility can directly affect the bottom line. And as Courtney said, that's where the CFO, the CEO, they're directly interested in that because it's going to help them and the return that they're providing to the stakeholders, shareholders. Great points, Dave. Uh, Courtney, I'm of the opinion that the your information supply chain mm. is just as important as your good supply chain, especially in this day and age and the way we communicate with intermediaries. You Would you agree with that? How FedEx. important is information availability? Well, you know, uh, we all have some FedEx experience. And one thing exactly. that Fred Smith said was um, that information about the package is just as important as the package, especially in this day and age when uh, we have uh, been accustomed to, or become accustomed to this uh, get it the same day you order it mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, so having information is important for not only the organization that's distributing it because it helps you better level load your, uh, your inventory so that you can accomplish this, but it also helps uh, the client in getting the package when they order and knowing where it is. And, and um, Dave introduced Wismo calls. Uh, reducing your Wismo call, where's my package calls. So having access to that information helps streamline the process. And if you look at uh, the, the stakeholders, the CEO, it helps improve the image um, of the organization. Uh, the CEO, the organization, organization operates more efficiently. That's what they're looking for. You know, the CFO, it cuts dollars from the bottom line. Uh, and the procurement officer, it helps take one thing off their plate so they can concentrate on the other indirect spend. So um, information is absolutely one of the most important aspects of the transaction. Yeah, so Dave, you remember the days when you, you, you information was really, really easy and timely when you could just get on the AS400 and send a Twix halfway across the country <laughs> and, and hopes that somebody tore it down within the next three or four hours before that truck left and figured out what was going on to get that hot pitch going on. Tell us, how, is things, how have things changed and how do you get that integration with all these disparate players that are out there to get that information together to improve those transit times and get that information to your customers? Yeah, so the most important thing, there's really two aspects of it. One is information to the customer, but more important, just as important or more important, is the fact that you have to have information within the different organizations of your company. If the shipping department doesn't have the, the information that the um, manufacturing line has, if the manufacturing line has doesn't have the information that the order system has, then you're gonna be running disparately throughout your company and the different functions are not gonna be moving in, in concert in order to provide the best value out to the customer. So what's really critical is that you have a clear, open communication and visibility within your company so that you're always able to see what orders are coming down, what inventory is available, 
how the production line is producing, when the customer's order are required, what trucks yeah. you have available, yeah. what doors are at, et cetera. Gotcha. So I know you guys are going to be continuing this conversation on at uh, CSCMP. Mm -hmm. When's that happening and how do people register? Yeah, so thanks so much for um, teeing that up. So we are having an education session at CSCMP which is September 18th and 19th, and it's in Nashville, actually. It's called EDGE. And so we are really going to introduce the full uh, scope of all of the hidden gems that we've identified, five of them specifically, that we're going to really try to help educate the attendees of this conference so that they can be better equipped to come go back to their companies or to their carriers and be able to provide improvements that drive more value to the bottom line for their companies. All right, Courtney requested it. Courtney, you want to come up here and do the honors? You want to spin the wheel yourself? Yeah, I'll do Let's it, man. Walk right up here. Let's do it. You're mic'd up. Oh, Sit oh, right in between us. You can spin right. the wheel. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, you're trying to kill me. <laughs> I, I try to interpret it. All right, I'll have thank to you. Are you okay? All right, I'm good. Go, yes. Not too hard. All right. That's too hard. No, just kidding. Okay. What do we got here? You <laughs> might not be able to read this, so I have to do it for you. Okay, what would your gimmick be if you were a pro wrestler? Oh, I'm the coolest guy in the, in the industry, man. You would just be the coolest oh, I'll be guy. the coolest guy in the industry. I like it. Whoa. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I'd, I'd, I'd beat him. I like that. I'd beat him unmercifully very smoothly. What would your finishing move be? <laughs> oh, just like just, just the fear of getting smacked. Just, just the right. fear. That's enough. That's just, right. And from a good dad, it is. That's right. Do you have a good dad voice? Oh, I, hey. Do you think you yell at your kids' voice? Well, I don't yell at them. I just, okay. I lower it. Hey, look here. Look here. Look here. Look here. Look get here. My, ah, do you, get you full, the, the full name? <laughs> Pull in the middle name? Oh, the full name. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The full name. Well, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for taking a trip up to our studio. Really appreciate it. All right, thank you. I appreciate the thank invitation. You. Thank you. Appreciate Enjoy their shirts and hats. Very nice. Yeah, thank, you. <laughs> thank you, man. Have a safe trip. Thank back. you. Peace. Hey, check this out. We got a video from our next guest. It's not brand flakes. It's brain flakes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be making those mistakes, can you? It's Milson Hart. He's the president <laughs> at Via Heart. And um, he always is. I love his Twitter timeline. You can really get inside the world and the brain of uh, a disturbed Amazon seller. Thank you for joining us, Molson. <laughs> I, I did not see that coming. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> How are things treating you? Uh, you know, one of the things that I saw on your, that has to be like driving you insane is all these shipping things you've been through. And one of them was, there was a gigantic hole in a shipping container. I was looking at your stuffed animals. Yeah. One of them looked like a guppy should have been like, swim, or a goldfish should have been swimming around in the thing. What are some of these challenges you've been facing and what happened here? Uh, yeah, there was, there was a hole in the shipping container on that one. And, uh, yeah, horrible. Um, it, one of the challenges we're facing is that our uh, supplier, uh, is like refusing to pay for that hole, even though in some ways that they were responsible for selecting that container and packing it the way it was. And, uh, it just absolutely sucks because uh, we have to go through all that product. We have to make sure that the product is safe for our customers, that there's no mold. We can't be shipping people like wet product or product that's mold. Mm -mm. So um, that's that. That's the specific challenge we're facing. But in, in general, like container prices are actually going down month over month, which has been really weird uh, after watching them get so high uh, for like basically the last two years.
Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a big decline. I think they're down on like the average around like five thousand. And a year ago, when we were having this conversation, they were at twenty one thousand. So that's significant. It'll help pay for some more stuffed animals. But when you know, a lot of times we show videos on here of like containers falling in the ocean or falling off a truck or breaking. A business like yours, which is pretty big, right? When you lose a container like this, how does it impact your flow of goods? Well, we end up going out of stock on whatever's on that container and we end up losing like sales and some money. It can be like, so those containers are, I don't know, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 worth of product plus, plus the cost of shipping. Other containers are like $100,000. So when you see that like absolutely hilarious um, photo of the container cracking like an egg or, yeah. or you know, a container falling in the ocean, for a small business or a business that represents like fifty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of product, depending on what you sell, plus all your lost sales, and it sucks. Which is why some people pay for insurance, but that's what you sign up for when you start a business. Is, you know, you got to take the good and the bad. Yeah, you absolutely have to. What? What? So, what happens to the product? This product that's in there is it able to be clean? I mean, most of your products are. You, well, you've got the brain flakes or the brand flakes or, that are washable, right? And you could probably sterilize those and and, and move on. But uh, other stuff, not so much, right? So, what happens to this? Yeah. Uh, so, in this case, um, if it got wet, we just threw it in the dumpster. Yeah. Uh, and so, we actually took a video of us putting it in the dumpster. And the reason why we took a video of us putting it in the dumpster is because our supplier claim. isn't going to believe us that we actually trashed it. They're going to be like, Oh, you sold that on the side somewhere. So um, yeah, it, it can't be sold if it was affected. Um, fortunately in this case, the hole was just in the front of the container and uh, like the significant majority of the product that was in the container was dry. And actually, even though we've been doing this business for like 10, 12 years, right. It wasn't a huge hole. I, I've seen much worse. Um, we've never lost a container and I, I don't know, we've probably imported like a thousand containers. So I don't pay for insurance. Um, it's yeah. cheap, Molson. It's cheap. It's it's like cents on the hundred. You should you should consider it. I used to sell that insurance. It's a at least marine cargo insurance. It's worth it, my friend. Well, cents on the hundred. If it's like one cents on the hundred, and it's a fifty thousand dollar container, that's five hundred dollars per container. It's a lot. Yeah. I guess well, so. I, I guess, guess so. Well, here's the thing, though. Even selling the goods is a challenge on Amazon. Like, one of the things you posted is all these different Chinese sellers who try to hijack your listings or put up products with very similar <laughs> names. Yeah. How does that work on Amazon? And I think, like, us as consumers, we all, like, know it's there. But why do they allow it? Why is it so prevalent, these, like, listing uh, manipulation and hijacking? Um, I think that they uh, they do their best to restrict it. And I'm not just saying that because I'm trying to like be friends with Amazon or something like that. It's just really hard. I mean, like Chinese seller, like Chinese people are really smart and they're really inventive and there are billions of them and many of them are selling on Amazon and they look for all sorts of different crazy loopholes in order to hijack listings um, or, or whatever it is they do. So for example, our uh, Brain Flakes building toy product, it was legit the number one best-selling building toy on Amazon uh, mm. one, or two day, one or two days ago. Legit. Outselling Lego. And then all of a sudden, we got this email saying that it had been taken down or suppressed because the competitive price for the product 
um, is $7 and our product is like priced too high. Amazon does some weird pricing stuff. And so I don't know what happened there, but uh, our product got suppressed because someone may have uh, told Amazon that the real price is $7. Basically, they just attacked our listing. And that's like a new type of attack that happened on Amazon that I've never seen before. And so when you're running this big website, there are lots of different ways to attack your competition. And when you're in China, like you can't really be held accountable for that if you're clever. And so that's kind of why it happens. And it's hard for Amazon to control because they got billions of products. And that's why I think it happens. What are the best underhanded tactics uh, an Amazon seller could use to uh, attack an enemy? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's a great question. So you change the images to porn. Oh, wow. um, is really good. You say that the product is like a cannabis item. You move the product from like the toys and games category to the sexual health category. That's it. That's happened to us many times. And the reason why that's so good is because if it's in the sexual health, it disappears from search because it, it, Amazon doesn't want regular customers seeing product like so just doing a random search. And so then, wait, 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 they can move on, yours. Yeah, how do they move your listings there? <laughs> yeah, so this has happened to us a couple of times. Um, they, a lot of different ways. You can convince some like random lowly paid employee, maybe in India or something like that, ah. um, to move it because the octopus is actually an octopussy. We sell this, this happened to us. Oh. Or you can, there, there were bribing scandals going on where people were bribing Amazon employees to move stuff. Um, from one category wow. to another. And there's also, you can do it like using uploads and stuff like that, where you just, you know, there are holes in the system. And so you can switch it from one category to another. And if you switch it to sexual health, um, it's not going to get seen. And so that's a good way to attack your competitor. I'll keep that in oh, mind. When Amazon start... has no concern over our sexual health. Is that the problem? Well, no, I just think they don't want like anyone searching on. Yeah, there well, that's what I'm saying. That, so you're not allowed to search. For well, it. I think they should maybe consider maybe not letting people change listings that easy. But he's saying there's some <laughs> social engineering going on here. There's some there's yeah. some social hacking going on. Well, most I think getting... Amazon doesn't want you to like. It doesn't want a regular like customer to be searching for a toy and then just boom get hit with yeah. like a big dildo. And yeah, so that's yeah, why no, they that makes sense. That that's smart. Yeah. yeah, now that that makes yeah. sense to me. That makes total sense. Well, Molson, given all these challenges, what's the outlook for for peak season? I think I saw you post a little bit numbers. You got that big bump for back to school. Is Christmas a big time for you? Yeah, Christmas is huge for us. It's, it's our it's our biggest season um, for selling both building toys and plush and active play toys. Um, uh, people say I'm crazy when I say this stuff, but I'm I don't know. I'm not, or maybe I am crazy. Look, I, I think that there are going to be lots of bankruptcies in our industry. Um, and to me, it's like pretty clear why. So in the consumer goods industry, so like basically, yeah, container rates are going down right now. But right now, the inventory that everyone in our industry has is the inventory that we were paying for when the containers were like 15 grand, 20 grand or whatever. So our inventory is really expensive and consumers are not buying as much because gas has gone up and stuff like that. And so because people aren't buying as much, everyone is like in this competitive war to lower prices. When like the cost of your goods are going way up and your prices are going way down, that means you lose, you're losing money. And if you pair that with like debt and stuff like that, it's really easy to go bankrupt. So like Bed Bath & Beyond uh, closed 120 stores and yeah. 
Like there's like all these consumer good companies are, are struggling. And if you are pair that struggling with debt, you can like legit go bankrupt and that's happening in our industry. And I just think you're going to see more and more of it unless um, like the federal government sends everyone a new stimmy check or something. Well, like Molson, we hate to hear it. Everyone out there, get some brain flakes, get some of these great stuffed animals yeah. out of Via Heart. Where do they go to get some if they want to support your company during the holiday season? Sure. Um, if you want to support our company and Amazon, you, you can uh, buy them on Amazon.com. <laughs> brain flakes. And I don't know, they take like 50% of every sale, but I'm, I'm just complaining. Uh, Brainflakes.com is great for our building tour and toy and um, if you can see some of the cool stuff we got behind us. And uh, our company name is uh, Via Heart. And uh, yeah, that's what we do. By the way, you put up an interesting uh, post. It said it increasingly feels like Lego is a luxury brand for adults more than it is educational toy for children. I 100% agree with that. Someone who buys a lot of Legos, when my kids were into them last year and like during the pandemic, I'd get a lot. I'd spring yeah. for like the more expensive sets, you know, because it's like, oh, I always wanted a Millennium Falcon Lego set anyway. So I'll get it yeah. for the kids. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. when they don't want it, like they're more into video games right now. They don't want it. There's no way I'm spending $200 on these Lego sets, right? So I think you're 100% right there. Yeah, they've gotten so expensive. Um, uh for us for brain flakes we i mean we we don't make lego money or anything close to it our margins are pretty low but like we're we're okay with that because we're all in the schools and i don't know we just want to be different and yeah. we our, our our goal is to be the second biggest building toy brand in the world but just to focus on education, because, yeah, of course, we want to make more money. But I think it's pretty cool if we can just focus on kids and, and like, improving their well, brain power and spatial thinking. We're rooting for you, Molson. We're rooting for you. Go check out Via Heart. Uh, go give Amazon some money. And, um, yeah, take, take it easy, buddy. <laughs> we'll let you get Thanks, back guys. to work. <laughs> take care. Bye, bye. Right on, take brother. care. Man, it sounds stressful running an Amazon business. Yeah, but what else do you do? I mean, you either brick and mortar, and that's no. I know. I'm just saying. I don't know. Become a podcaster. Yeah. I, well, yeah. There much you go. Stressful. Yeah, much less stressful. All right, Ad Read, Michael Vincent. Do you remember what Von Moore from AIT said last time he was on the show? I do. He said, "Bigger isn't better." Yeah. Better is better. Whether it's new offices in India, expanding life sciences operations in Europe, or acquiring one of the best final mile providers in the U.S., AIT's exponential growth is driven by anticipating and responding to customer needs. Discover how they can help your business gain fast, streamlined access to new markets at Tell Em, Dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. Hey, speaking of companies we have been following for a long time right yeah. now, and a few listeners know it, one of them is highly on. We have Thomas Healy, Love the it. CEO over there with us. I haven't seen him since I was out in Austin. Thomas, it's good to see you again. Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me on and uh, looking forward to sharing a little bit more about our new fuel agnostic generator. I know I I, we were I reading that and I even had Alan Adler on to kind of, uh, you know, he's a little bit above our pay grade. So him to explain it to us. And he was like, yeah, it's like the flux capacitor. Oh, from the Mr. Mr. Fusion, right? Yeah. Flux There's a little bit to unpack here, though, because it's like a 3D printed. You got it from GE. You can use all different fuels. Enlighten us. I think we just call it a flux capacitor, mic drop, and be done with it, and we're there good. Go. No, it's All a, right. It's a, it's a really awesome technology. So uh, the way it works is uh, it's a linear generator technology to produce electricity that, as, a, you know, as the title says, it can take uh, various fuels in, whether it be uh, natural gas or hydrogen, even conventional fuels, uh, propane. I mean, you name it, it's got a wide breadth of, uh, of fuels it can run on. 
And then it's able to convert those fuels into electricity at a much higher efficiency than what we're seeing uh, with conventional generator solutions today. And so that's kind of the name of the game, right? If we can make the electricity on board the vehicle more and more efficiently, that's going to be able to reduce operating costs for fleets, make it cheaper in terms of refueling the vehicle. It just has a cascading benefit. Uh, and then it, it future-proofs fleets, right? If you can have a truck that could run on hydrogen but can also run on that gas, uh, you know, as this as this energy ecosystem evolves, uh, you can operate the same trucks, uh, to, you know, on various fuel sources. Yeah, that's pretty tremendous. So you're not dropping in a K cup and an old banana peel into Mr. Fusion and flying off to 2050 or anything like that. But it's got a significant impact on fueling it and where you can fuel, right? It does. And so, you know, the generator itself is fuel agnostic. So to add a little bit more you know, detail to it, so it takes the fuel in and then it, it uses that fuel to produce heat and it uses a process called flameless oxidation. This is something that GE is experts in. Uh, it actually stemmed out of their aerospace business. So think about jet engines, right? And it's this flameless oxidation process to produce heat. And then that heat is what drives this linear generator. So as long as we can take a fuel in, that's going to be allow us to produce heat, uh, then we can operate this thing. And, uh, you know, it's got other benefits as well. It's, uh, you know, less noise, less vibration than a standard generator. Now, the thing that uh, is the question mark is, well, where do you fuel it? How do you fuel it up? And uh, this really comes down to what storage tanks do you have on the truck? So obviously conventional natural gas storage tanks are, are out there and proven and, and uh, known well by fleets. Uh, hydrogen tanks are now coming onto the market. Uh, we're even looking at solutions of could you have like, you know, some hydrogen tanks and some natural gas tanks on the same truck? Or, you know, I think the, the best solution is we get to a point where you can actually just mix the fuels. Uh, so you could have like a 50-50 ratio of, mm. uh, of hydrogen and nat gas, even 70-30, whatever, you know, you can, the generator can accept whatever ratio or mixture of fuel and, uh, and take it in and, and produce electricity. So from that standpoint, it really comes down to just how do you store the, the, uh, the, t the fuel on board the truck? So the 3D printing aspect of this, when I was at your HQ, I didn't notice any massive 3D printers. Maybe they were there. I didn't, I didn't see them. But does this mean you could manufacture these on site? So it's actually all happening out of Cincinnati, Ohio. So this is a technology that GE approached us a year or two ago and said, hey, we've got this Skunk Works innovative uh, generator solution. We haven't told anyone about it, but we see it as a perfect fit for long haul trucking for a, a platform like the Hypertruck. And, uh, and then we, we looked down and we were like, yeah, this makes a ton of sense. Let's start uh, working on the development together. As we got further and further through the process of working with GE, we actually approached them and said, we would love to actually take this in and acquire it and make it part of the Hylion product portfolio just because of the benefits that we see it can bring to trucking. So from that standpoint, all the development of this has really been taking place out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Those machines that you mentioned, they're located up there as well. Uh, we actually acquired some of them through this acquisition. So uh, we, we'll have the, the skills and capabilities to, you know, do this, uh, all the development testing, do that out of Ohio. And then when we go into volume manufacturing, the plan is to leverage contract manufacturers who already own these 3D printing machines. So the technology that, that you purchased there, how, how does this, can anyone else use this? Is this something that you can license out to other people or for other applications or strictly straight there in, in Hylian? Yeah, so it's going to be owned by Hylion, and, mm -hmm. and we would have the ability to license it out. Uh, one of the things that we actually shared is an example of like, you know, this doesn't have to be just confined to putting it in a truck. Mm -hmm. uh, another pain point that we see daily from the fleets that we're talking to is they want to adopt BEV plug-in vehicles for short haul, but there's not enough capacity on the grid. 
And so we've actually looked at uh, taking this Carnot generator and could we, we deploy it as like a stationary power generator or distributed power generation and actually use that electricity to, to power chargers to charge up the EV vehicles. And we definitely can. And not only does that allow us to solve the issue of like grid demand and the grid being overloaded. I, I just saw another video this morning of, uh, I guess, California is asking residents, don't plug your <laughs> BEV in because the grid's overloaded. Uh, so we can solve that one. But then also we can produce the electricity for cheaper than your average grid electricity. So uh, it's a, it could be a new way of actually powering up electric plug-in electric vehicles as well. So we know of one small trucking fleet. We actually talked about them on Wednesday. They got a BEV truck, right? And the big issue they had is like, unless this is on a dedicated electrified route, it makes no sense. We spent three times as much on this truck, but they were spending like 33 cents per kilowatt hour at uh, at the charges because they were not dedicated routes. And they were, they were running around showing the truck off to people with no trailer, spend 33 cents. And like, at the end of the month, we spent just the same as we would have on on diesel. So not only was it a hassle, not only did it take longer, but like they didn't get all of these future sort of promised benefits by the tech. We're seeing it daily, right? And uh, even the, you know, similar example, not plugging it into the grid, but there's companies out there that are doing BV plugins where they're going to tow around a trailer full of batteries just to be able to go do these showcases. Or uh, the most ironic one uh, is the, you know, go tow around a, a, a diesel generator on the, you know, in yeah. a trailer and use that to, to charge up your BEV plug-in vehicle, right? I mean, the, it, it's, it's a great solution when used in the right applications. And that's why our, our whole pitch all along is BEV plug-in makes sense for short-haul, fine-a-mile, dedicated routes. Over the road, long haul trucking, you really need a range extender solution. And and we believe the right path is start with natural gas, go to hydrogen in the future when you know the infrastructure is built out. But one of the nice things with this fuel agnostic generator is let's say propane becomes the fuel of the future, or let's say, you know, it can even run on like ammonia. Uh, so let's say ammonia has, you know, 20 years from now is the right fuel. Well, the Carnot generator can run on that as well. So that's uh, that's gonna be pretty neat for fleets having a, a you know a solution that just it's future proof. Speaking of the future, California, speaking of them, they announced 2035, right? Stop of ICE vehicles, all electric. Uh, will long haul be there for, for that future? And what tech in 2035 do you think is driving those trucks? Yeah, so I, I think for the, the short haul final mile stuff, sure, you can do the BV plug-in. I think uh, companies are making great traction on that end, but we're still seeing fleets focusing on like 100, 200 miles max uh, is the range they're going to get out of that. So past that, you're going to need a, a range extender. Uh, we're we're excited about the fact, you know, our Hypertruck ERX is qualifying for ACT credits, uh, CARB ACT, as well as ACF credits, as they're written today. And then we're also qualifying for um, the new Inflation Reduction Act as well. Uh, the police have purchased the ERX. We expect them to get a $40,000 tax credit uh, when they adopt that vehicle. So I th this is really promising from our end because I know there's always been a question mark around Hylion of like, well, you guys use natural gas. Are you really going to be qualified as a uh, an electric vehicle? And all the new mandates that are coming out are including us. So we're excited to see that. And uh, and I think that means that you will see solutions in 2035 like Hylion's, also like BEV vehicles, and you know like the Carno solution as well, where uh, it can run on various fuels. And one other neat thing I didn't mention is the current CARB standards and even the ones that we foresee coming out in the future the Carnot generator will surpass, and we expect they'll surpass those emission standards even when running on conventional fuels. So, I mean, that says a lot just about how clean this generator is. 
Yeah. So Thomas, you mentioned that, you know, this, this, uh, this generator, this uh, technology in conjunction development with, with, with GE and you saw fit to absorb that technology, purchase that and bring that into Highland. What does that mean for the partnership with, with GE and what does the partnership with GE really mean for Highland? How does that look moving in the future? Yeah, so it's structured as an acquisition. So, you know, we're going to be taking over the ownership of it. Uh, the employees are going to become employees of Hylions. We have set up a uh, transition agreement with GE. So, like, in the beginning here, we're actually going to be keeping the team in the GE facility up in Ohio. But uh, but long term, you know, this is going to be a, a Hylion operation. Now, what I think talks, you know, speaks a lot of confidence, confidence on the uh, transaction from GE end is, they're actually going to be taking Hylion stock as part of the consideration for the acquisition. So it was a $37 million acquisition, 15 million of it is cash. Uh, the other 22 million of it is actually GE becoming a stockholder of Hylion and owning shares in the company. So uh, that I think aligns our visions of, we want this technology to succeed. GE wants this technology to succeed and the right home for it is Hylion going forward. Nice. And Thomas, before we let you go, what does this mean for the ERX line? Just so we're we're sort of clear, what models are you selling now? Yeah, so it doesn't change what we've uh, what we showcased before. So the, yeah. the Hypertruck ERX with the natural gas engine range extender on track, on schedule, late 2023, going to uh, start a production. So no changes there. The Hypertruck Carno is really the next generation. We anticipate it's come out a few years after the Hypertruck ERX is into commercialization. So this is really just an addition to our product portfolio. Uh, we'll still have the Hypertruck ERX. And as we've said before, we still plan on doing a, a Hypertruck fuel cell variant as well. Uh, but the, the fuel cell would only be able to run on hydrogen. Uh, and we see that it's just going to take some time till hydrogen infrastructure is out there. So no change to uh, product plans, development, uh, you know, fleets will go into fleet trials with the Hypertruck ERX later this year. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting time at Highland. There's a lot of good stuff happening. The trucks are performing great. We got to I mean, we're just here in Tennessee, all the, all the news we have heard recently around what is going on in the zero emission space has been mm -hmm. incredible. In Chattanooga alone, there's a multi-million dollar grant just to figure out charging infrastructure and the needs of passenger vehicles. We were just up at a massive charging facility that Australian company Tritium just built up in Lebanon, Tennessee. Um, where, where's the, where in Tennessee are they getting that lithium plant? Uh, Etowah. Etowah. Etowah's getting uh, the <laughs> biggest lithium Cleveland. plant in the U.S. So yeah. a lot of stuff going on here. The space is going to get more and more exciting. We are excited to learn more from you. But if people want some education in the meantime, you added something to your YouTube channel, didn't you? Yeah, so we did. A, we launched an educational video series. We're a couple of videos in. We'll launch another one here soon. Uh, but it's a it's a way that we're just going to be talking about vehicle electrification, commercial vehicle electrification. It's not just a promote the Hylion products type of a, a story or channel. This is like let's talk the truth, the facts behind BEVs, behind fuel cells, behind what Hylion is doing, and let's just educate people on the realities behind it. Because it's like you know, it's kind of like the California example of hey, we should get all trucks moved over to BEV plug-in in California. And then, you know, the, the utility provider comes out and says, well, the grid can't support that. It can't even support BEV <laughs> cars being plugged in right now. So, like, we're just trying to put some facts out there around this so people can understand it. And, and these are the facts that fleets are already dealing with on a daily basis. So it's no surprise to them. Well, hey, Thomas, we really appreciate your time. We'll let you get to your uh, Labor Day weekend. But everyone go check out Hylion. Go check out their channel. And uh, we'll keep an eye out for the... Uh, Cardo ERX coming out in the future. It's really <laughs> exciting. It. Thanks for your time today.
Thank you. And Dooner will get you behind the wheel of it as well. And uh, it'll be the next Hypertruck variant you get to try out. Ooh, I'm excited. There you go. Hope it has a pull chain. You got to get the pull chain on yeah. it for one. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. Thanks, guys. Uh, Take care. Peace. Bye. All right. It's Friday. So a little good news, bad news, and we'll send you home. All right. Good news. Oh, no. So bad news. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Bad wow. news. We, gotta, we just had this conversation. We got to electrify all these cars. And if we don't do anything about it, right, yeah. hey, you won't be able to get one in California by 2035. But nope. China will also control the space and lead the world. And if you look at what they're doing in where we're going, it's not a good picture really at the moment. No, they you really don't want like, that to happen. We own like five, We control like 5% of solar here, like the solar manufacturing, 5% of it in, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. in the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and rare space. earth metals too and all that other kind of stuff, right, for the batteries. Exactly. Yeah. Well, some good news for you. We already gave it away. $582 million lithium plant is coming to Itawa, which will be the largest in the country. That's WATE reports. Piedmont Lithium officials announced on September 1st that they will invest $582 million to establish a facility for production of battery-grade lithium in McMinn County, according to a release from the Tennessee Department of Economic and Community Development. Governor Bill Lee is on board as well. The site's going to create 117 jobs and and to start in answering that question we've all had, where do we get all this material from? Like, how do we make this future, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting to answer it. Beautiful country out there, by the way. <laughs> is it? I haven't been up to... Oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, so is there, by... is there, like, when it comes to lithium mining, we always see sort of like the meme picture of that gigantic I don't crater. think they're mining like... lithium up there. It's it's serviced by a rail is probably bringing it in. So it's processing. It's right on a rail screen. Yeah. I think it's just processing it, yeah. Where would we mind lithium in the U.S.? I'm just curious. I don't know, my yeah. friend. <laughs> we used know. to, uh, well, uh, yeah, we, uh, west of uh, like Vegas used to be like our rare earth minute, like 85% of the world used to come out of there. And yeah. then we just, we siphoned it all off and now it's uh, China. Oh, there's no but more. Anyways, here's some bad news, my friend. Yeah. You're a hungry trucker and you're dooner and you're too cheap to pay for your own food. Sounds like me. Yeah, it does. It does. But here's, here, let, check this out. Here's a method that you can use so, to yeah. solve this issue. My friend. Y'all probably check this be buying this. I get my for free, all for free, and I don't steal. Peep game though. All right, so now right. we just play the waiting game. Yeah. So hold up. Hold up stuff. now. Price is too much. Hold up now, folks. Sitting in his cab, checking it out. Right on motherfucking time. Oh wow, this guy's got a dirty mail. <laughs> what? Yes, sir. Where's Tanner with the beeps, man? Yes, sir. Yes, it's sir. Tanner. What are they going to surprise us with today? Yes, sir. All right, we're watching here is a guy in his truck for you. I think this is the mother. <laughs> and this guy just right threw here. a bag of food away the in the dumpster. Come on now. Yeah, no, we man, got. Checking it out. What we got? Our yes, audio guy says he stocks uh, Little Caesars. Motherfucking jackpot, folks. Oh. <laughs> Look at this. Put this motherfucker up in here. So and, and he brings it back in the store. Power moves. Yeah, right back into oh, the store. Hey, you threw it out. I found it. That's mine. Check it out. All right, and he said that nuking it is what what, uh, what sanitizes it. It's Sanit sanitized because he nuked it there. I didn't know Samuel L. Jackson uh, was a truck. I know, I know. <laughs> got to get these. Uh, got to get these hot dogs out of the trash. <laughs> these MF and hot dogs out of the MF and dumpster. I'm sick and tired of these hot dogs in this trash. You ever do that stuff in school in that dumpster diving? No, 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 no. Never so, have. I haven't done. I haven't done it either. And um, anyone who like has to for economic reasons, we're not making fun. This guy's a truck driver with a yeah. with a job, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's yeah. also a TikTok. So he might not actually have ate those. As you notice, he did cover them up. I didn't see him eat a single one. 
I didn't I see anybody eat anything. There man. was a, remember that girl who drank who uh, not drank. She licked the toilet seat, and then it turned out that she was um, on like some uh, on some luxury plane, and yeah, like yeah, they yeah. they cloroxed it and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like maybe he knows those guys at the pilot. At the, hey, he he, he may uh, maybe yeah, I mean who knows. I don't know. It, was, it looked awful clean inside there and set up inside a nice little box and all that kind of stuff. So one time I was in a car with some degenerates over in Riverside, California, and they they like randomly I was driving, they like pulled into the back of a Ralph's and they just grabbed some stuff off the dock and like threw it in the car, like like uh, Red Bulls or something. <laughs> just right off they the just dock. Right off the dock and just drove off. off. And they, <laughs> it seemed like they did it all the time. Oh well, man, they knew it. <laughs> Sometimes that's the that's the key is just acting like you know what you're doing, right? Yeah, that's that. Well, that's that's the key to life. Yeah, being well, confident. That's true. Yeah. Good news. Your truck almost fell in a ditch. Play this video. Your truck almost fell in a ditch. Look at this guy here. He's trying to save his truck. He's using all of his might to keep it on the road. And here you're watching here. He's just got one hand on it. But the bad news is, well. We'll let you wait and see. Yeah, this. this um, I mean, he's doing a very, very noble effort here, but he's just one man. Now, maybe if he's a team driver, they could have got something else. Well, who's the guy filming this? I don't know. I mean, there's two trucks here. Where's the other dude? He's just waiting for someone to show up. Look, he finally gives up, and uh, there goes the truck. There goes the truck. I think I might have hung on a little longer. I mean, how long was he there, dude? How long? How long? Okay. How long would you sit there and hold that? Well, I even edited that video. That video was like I know, a minute it was a lot and a half. Longer, right? I had to cut a bunch of time because he's just sitting there holding. Well, at a certain point, though, if it falls, would it just fling you into the woods? Wouldn't you get like yeeted? Well, out it's not falling, though, because it's it's him, right? Like if a, bee, if a bee came over and landed on the other side, then you might get flung into the woods, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. If something comes over, right? Well, I, but what if he loses his footing? I'm just saying, like, is that a good place to be? Like, would you get... You just flung into the Yeah, way. no, he's in a precarious position. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So here's some bad news, my yeah. friend. BT, uh, back the truck up, BTU reports. Jackson, Mississippi is in a terrible situation as the city's water treatment system has completely yeah. failed now. Horrible. Now it started. Horrible situation. Yeah, it's a horrible situation. This is not a good deal. There are hodgepodge of backup pumps and backups for the backups just overwhelmed by recent floodwaters and died. Now they were under a uh, boil law for or advisory for since July or something like that. Yeah, July. that's always disconcerting it, Yeah, too. which is not a good deal anyways. And it got, but, but hey, here's good news, my friend. Truckers to the rescue. Truckers, yeah. always. always they, they're man. always the heroes of the highway and everything, even water supply. They're on their way. Lieutenant Colonel Stephen uh, McCraney of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, MEMA, has formed a large convoy of water tankers to help relieve the situation in the meantime. MEMA has acquired 108 water tankers for the city. Seven relief supply sites around the city will be staged to disperse the water uh, as planned. 36 tankers per day are scheduled to arrive in the coming days. So drinkable water they're bringing in yeah. and non-potable as well. Nice. Nice little cowboy for all those truck drivers. Amen. That are bringing that in. By the way, we've been talking a lot recently about autonomous and electric vehicles on this show, especially yeah. Wednesday and today. Well, we don't have a show on Monday because it is Labor Day and we're taking off like the rest of you. But on Wednesday, we've got a special show because it's from a virtual event. It's from our Autonomous and Electric Vehicle Summit. It's free to register. Go to live.freightwaves.com right to do so. Um, you can probably win some stuff. Alan Adler's going to be in studio. We're doing a What the Truck from there. Mm. I haven't really even looked fully looked at the agenda. I got to get myself. Who do we got on What the Truck? Oh, I think Alan Alan Adler might co-host it with us. Yeah. If, uh, oh, Wiley Deck from Plus. That'll be cool. Don Burnett, Kodiak Robotics right, here. That's right. Uh, Finch Fulton from uh, Locomotion. We know him. Finch Locomotion. Frenchy and Frank Mavery from Torque. It's going to be a great time. By the way, Michael Vincent, speaking of college football, like, I yes, didn't sir. come here a fan of college football myself. 
Yeah. But I've been here, I've been indoctrinated, and now I realize what's amazing about it. In week one of the NFL, you cannot have a game as big as Ohio State versus Notre Dame with those. No, two five. Nah. No. It's going to be a good one. You asked me what I was looking forward to on the sheet. That's what I'm looking forward to. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. I know you are, so I don't even have to ask you. Find him at Vince the Dude. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.